I'm Brian Foster, and this is the Grindhouse Institute. On each episode of this podcast, Jeremy Floyd and I program a triple feature movie night. Each of the movies share common themes, and we discuss them here. We're happy you could join us for today's block we call Horror Anthology 201. To introduce this film block, the Grindhouse Institute once again would like to bring back our head professor on all things anthology, the ghoul of the Grindhouse. Hello, kiddies. It's your old fiend, the ghoul of the Grindhouse, here to deliver a deluge of diabolical delicacies and a scintillating set of cinematic snacks. Several sinful strangers on a tour through a creepy catacomb are introduced to a familiar fellow who tells them each a terrifying tale. Are these stories just entertainment? Or are they coffinary tales? <laughs> Moan Collins and Bleeder Cushing star in Tales from the Crypt from 1972. A young paper boy is invited over for dinner only to find out he is the main course. In order to distract the diabolical diner, the boy must read terrifying tales from a tattered tome. But will that be sufficient to save him from the serving tray? Now that's what I call a dilemma. <laughs> Deborah Scary, Julianne Gore, and Cleve Buscemi star in 1990's Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. He sees you when you're creeping. He knows when you're a snake. So when it comes to Halloween night, all good little boils and ghouls know to follow the rules. Those who don't will surely be slayed a visit by a little trickster who will do more than just TP your house. <laughs> Anna Hackwin, Diane Cox, and Villain Baker star in Trick or Treat from 2007. Thank you for listening to the Grindhouse Institute. Please enjoy. <laughs> During the spookiest time of the year, there are a few guidelines all ghosts and goblins should follow. Always stay on sidewalks. Never go to a stranger's house. And never go out alone. <laughs> All right, welcome back to the Grindhouse Institute. I'm Brian Foster, and with me as always is Jeremy Floyd. Hello, and how are you? Well, I'm sad that uh, Halloween seems to be over, or almost over, or over by the time you're listening to this, I guess. Yeah, if we, unless we can get this out soon enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably not. That's quite Probably a turnaround. Not. Uh, today we have a very special episode, another sequel to a previous episode. Uh, today we are going to be talking about horror anthology films again, one of my favorite genres, uh, and watching these films again uh, reminded me of why it's my favorite genre. And today we have a very <laughs> special guest joining us today. Jeremy, would you mind doing the intro? Yeah, uh, so we're, uh, we're going through some horror favorites here, and uh, who better to take us through all this than the host of Horrors Hollowed Grounds and uh, the podcast Thing with Two Heads, Sean Clark. Welcome. Hello. How you doing? Yeah. Doing Welcome. Well. Thank you for joining us today for this discussion. Today we're going to be talking about uh, three films, Tales from the Crypt from 1972, Tales from the Dark Side, the movie from 1990, <laughs> not to be confused with the television series. 
Right. And Trick or Treat, Trick or Treat from 2007, uh, the Brian Singer produced uh, legendary horror anthology why'd, film. Why'd you have to, to, yeah. to ruin it like that? Perfect. I started this <laughs> no, off. Hardly anybody even knows he produced that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one of his X-Men 2 casts, so there you go. Oh, Anna Paquin? And uh, Brian Cox. He was a And Brian Cox was, yeah, striker. Yeah. Yeah, um, this was a, a, another good block. I have seen all these films before, um, but seeing them again, um, especially Tales from the Crypt from the 70s, which yeah. I remember as a kid being thinking was so boring or something. I wasn't interested in it at all. <laughs> and now I was like, this was amazing. It was so really, it was well done and probably my favorite of the three that we watched today. And I yeah. have to admit, I haven't ever seen. This is all. one you have to see, especially if you, you know, have seen Tales from the Dark Side. If you've seen Tales from the Crypt on HBO, this is a good one to see too. Um, because one of the episodes in it and all through the house was actually... Uh, remade for the HBO version that was in this oh, one, the one okay. with Joan Collins. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. I own it. Let me see. <laughs> yeah. That, that was definitely one of my favorite uh, episodes. What, what do you call it? Vignettes? Yeah, uh, I'd, have, I'd have to say um, of the vignettes, uh, Poetic Justice took it all for me. The Peter Cushing. Oh, um, yeah. Mostly because I basically ended up started crying when, when he started getting screwed with so bad <laughs> oh, from that God. prick. Yeah, it just yeah. ruined me. When he started getting all the... The poetry and the Valentine's letters, I, I, I was going to lose it. I had to turn it off for a second. Well, maybe you um, should save that one for last. That way I can bow out just before you get to that one, and you don't ruin the movie for me. Oh, yeah. yeah we, we won't get too far into it. I do want to talk about format, though, um, for all of these. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we talk about format in these anthology films a lot, especially when it comes to the spine or the wrapper or the wraparound. Um, right. I believe even in Tales from the Crypt and the credits, they called it the wraparound. Um, you know, with the the crypt keeper who was just a, an old man that was basically guarding the <laughs> gates of hell, which kind of comes out of nowhere. It's, it's such a cool opening and so like dreamy. Um, but uh, Tales from the Dark Side has has a version of it with this, I guess Hansel and Gretel meets uh, a thousand right. and one nights or right. like you know, it's got kind of <laughs> Blondie, a, yeah, um, with Blondie exactly. Deborah, Deborah Harry, Harry. Let, let's let's get into this. Like the casting yeah. of this movie was awesome, and Deborah Harry uh, to come out of nowhere as, as a witch. And she's so sweet, and everybody loves her in the town, clearly, because the priest like yells at her. He's like, come on, we'll see you on Sunday. Yeah. You know, and she's like, okay. <laughs> and then, lo and behold, she's got an oven the size of a small child. So <laughs> yeah. she can slide an entire kid as well as herself in there. So, yeah, um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Tales from the Dark Side, Sean, if you, if you can. I mean, we will definitely skip past Tales right now, Tales from the Crypt. I'm a big fan of, of that film. Um, I'd have to say my favorite story in that one would be, was it called Lover's Vow? Is that yeah, the, yeah. Uh, James mm-hmm. Remar, Ray Don Chong? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. The Gargoyle. Um, yeah. I was just with Remar this weekend uh, at, at Monster Mania in Oaks, Pennsylvania. And oh, right on. I was talking to my girlfriend about that. She'd never seen, she hasn't seen that movie. And I was saying, oh, you got to at least see that, <laughs> that episode, because that, I knew she would like that, that episode. He's great in it, too. Yeah. Why did you tell me that? Oh man, when she turns on him, I was like, "You're done, man." Yeah. And I've you seen this promised. movie. Yeah, I've seen it so many times, and still, when he told her, I still was pissed off. I'm like, "It's been ten years, man. Just let it go. It, it, you're fine. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. kids are growing up, fine, and everything." And then all that had had to turn to shit. But yeah, I thought that this one was one of my favorites. I loved cat. I loved all the stories in this one, but Cat from Hell obviously was special in my mind. <laughs> Not just because George Romero wrote it. 
um, but also because David Johansson, the lead singer of the New York Dolls, is the is the assassin in it, the hitman. Are you talking about the cabbie from Scrooge? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go fuck the Jersey, you moron! <laughs> he's he's a very underrated actor. You know, I mean, he, absolutely. He was so good in Scrooge. He was so good in Tales. Yeah. Um, I, I'm really surprised we didn't see more of him over yeah. the years acting because I I've always. He's got a great look. He's got a great voice. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very uh, gravelly. New York. He's got yeah. that classic <laughs> gruff New York. Plus, he's playing a completely different character than he did in Scrooge in this yeah. one. I mean, he's very polished, dressed. He actually feels like a, an assassin or a hitman in the mafia or wherever he's from. Um, but I love his little bag of tricks he's got, you know, to kill the cat. He's got an entire briefcase full of things, and he's playing with the Garrett wire and all that. And I, I just love <laughs> <Right>. that shit. <laughs> yeah. Garrot. Tarot, tarot cards, yeah. (laughs) And what is the other one? What was the one? It was called Lot Lot, uh, 249. Lot 249. Arthur Conan Doyle story, yeah. An all-star cast on that one. I mean, that that one's probably the weakest, but I I always love that mummy design. Yes. AMB did a great job on the uh, look of the mummy. Yeah, and they give some really good close-ups of it, and they do some really nice dollies past it and just kind of tease the look of it for a while until finally it's you know, ripping a brain out of a man's nose. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's, it is a great, that's it's a great one. And it, like you said, Jeremy, it's an all-star cast in that one with Steve Buscemi, Julianne Moore, right. Christian Slater. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, at the time, I guess only Christian Slater was sort of known out of the bunch there, but... Don't forget Mike Deke as the mummy. Oh, right. He, uh, he's done a lot of suit stuff. Yeah. I mean, he was the cellar dweller. I mean, he, he's... I think he was also the gargoyle in that one as well. I think oh. He was, oh, interesting. Um, they had him in the suit? Yeah, he's a suit guy. So he's, oh. he's uh, I'm sorry, who's Guillermo del Toro's? Um, oh, uh, Doug Jones. Doug Jones. He was Doug yeah. Jones before Doug Jones, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's an effects guy, actually. He's He works, uh-huh. uh, so he ends up getting put in the suit a lot because I guess he's a, a big guy, like hot, tall, and, you know. Kind of lanky. Lanky, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you brought up K&B effects. I thought that the gargoyle was one of the best effects, and I still think it goes down as one of the best animatronics. Uh, yeah. It actually looks like it's talking. It looks like it's there. Um, no longer are we seeing 90 CG now that might have looked good back then. They did yeah. a real prosthetic. <laughs> they did a real animatronic. So, you yeah. know, it, it's going to hold up and, and for all those years. And that was right when K&B kind of started. You know, yeah. that was one of their first you know, early gigs. Yeah. This is even before Reservoir Dogs when they really popped and, and, you know, became that the household name for special makeup effects and gore. Because they all did Evil Dead 2, but they hadn't formed their own company or something. It was just like Greg Nicotero and Howard Berger floating around uh, Uh, as makeup guys. They were all mostly working for Mark Showstrom at the time when they did Evil Dead 2. Yeah, Yeah, because I think he's credited for the makeup. Yeah, well, I I think part of the reason you feel like you know it's the weakest of the stories is is uh, lot two forty nine that is, is because you know the end of it like you're like oh Christian Slater's gonna get his revenge he's gonna set him on fire he's gonna do this whole thing, and then he doesn't do it and you're like okay well <laughs> why <laughs> he couldn't bring himself to do it he even just after killed his, his, bro- his, his sister best and friend, best friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he says that several times. Yeah. It kind of seems like it'd be pretty easy to outrun. You know, <laughs> yeah. but. although the sister and the brother when or the best friend when they came back at the end there, they're moving pretty quick or at least came around the corner pretty yeah, quick. Maybe yeah. they, you know, a younger mummy, they were, you know, less than 3000 years. They, they got some speed on the old 
wrapped up bag of bones. Right. They definitely had a little Ted Danson and Creep show coming I back. I was going to yeah. bring that up. Okay. Yeah. Didn't you feel that this, I mean, it it's meant, was originally going to be another Creep show. You know, that was the idea in development and it was going to be oh, part okay. three and Romero was attached again and all that. But that ending had me going from something to tide you over. You know, the Ted yeah, Danson, yeah. Leslie Nielsen uh, Creep show uh, ending. I mean, it was the same kind of look. We're right here, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think do you think uh what, what do you think's a better movie do you think tales or creep show 2 is the better what do you think oh um i mean i'm gonna say tales from the dark side is better than creep show 2 although yeah. i creep show 2 holds a very special place in my heart <laughs> yeah creep show 2 has a lot of cheese in it but i yeah. mean it's it you know uh it's it's got some great stuff i mean i'm yes. the raft episode the raft is, is awesome the is raft is amazing favorite. I mean, you just throw a tarp in the water and make it scary. You know you're doing something right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I love the short story, The Raft. I've actually never seen Creepshow 2. That'll, uh, we'll but, have to put uh, that one yeah, on we'll, here. We'll have to do, um, do that next time. Creepshow 2, I think we need to put the new VHS movies uh, that are on. Mm. I think a new, brand new one dropped recently, but the VHS are supposed to be very good. I haven't seen them yet, so I'm looking forward to Horror Anthology 301. Have you seen Tales of Halloween? No, not yet. Oh, I... You should definitely check out Tales of Halloween. It's it's uh, I'm in it, not just because I'm in oh. it. But, oh, cool! <laughs> right on. But um, yeah. it's uh, it's got a really good cast. It's many short stories in one film, and it has a wraparound, like a not so much a wraparound, but a there's a a connective piece that uh, it's basically Adrian Barbeau reprising her Stevie Wayne character as oh, a radio. Oh, right I love it from the yeah. fog. Yeah. Um, but it's it's really cool. There's a lot of good directors attached to it. Um, Mike Mendez, Dave Parker, yeah, uh, Axel Carroll, Eight Legged um, Freaks. Oh, and she's doing all the uh, American Horror Stories now. XL. Yeah. Who else is on there? Oh, Andrew Cash, uh, my buddy, uh, did one with. Uh, um, oh God, what's his name? It was Skip Inspector, the Splatterpunk guys. It was uh, I can't remember Skip's last name. Anyway. Um, mm -hmm. he did it with him and then who else? There, there's a, it, there's a bunch of directors attached to it. It was, it, it's a, I think you'd really enjoy it. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. I'll remember oh, that cool. one. But there's like eight stories or something. They're shorter. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. When, when did that one come out? 2015 maybe. Ish. Okay. okay. Something like that. Okay. Do you, are you going to spoil what your role was or do you want us to, to... Oh. Um, I'm in the episode called, uh, something about war, uh, shit. I can't remember the name of the episode. This is <laughs> war. Right. This, this is, is war. This, or this means war or this is war. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's stars James Duvall and, um, uh, the comedian Dana, uh, Dana Gould, Dana Gould. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he's awesome. basically it's about that episode is an old school Halloween guy who decorates his house every year. He's like the guy in the neighborhood. When then this new school guy moves across the street, who's more, you know, he's more <laughs> vintage, like Universal Monster style. Yeah. And the new guy's more like Saw and, you know, <laughs> Gory. And, yeah, yeah. and they, they basically <laughs> are trying to outdo each other. Oh, that's a great story. It turns into a fight where they actually try to kill one another. And oh, I, I love it. I play one of James Duvall's friends that's just. Yeah, hanging out there. I don't have any lines, but I, you see me a lot. That's yeah. cool. So, right so a lot of people come up to me and go, hey, you were in Tales of Halloween. <laughs> Surprising me. I'm like, yeah. 
That's awesome. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. So, Jeremy, was this the first time of seeing any all of these or just a few of them? Uh, I had seen Tales from the Dark Side, but not okay. any of the other two. I'd love um, your thoughts on Tales from the Dark Side. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I hadn't seen it since I was a kid. So, I, sure. I, a lot of it was, uh, you know, excised from the memory. Um, and, you know, I totally forgot about all the cast in this i i forgot about the like sort of uh the twist at the end of uh lover's vow uh like you're like you're saying sean so it felt very fresh to me even though great <laughs> i'd seen it a long time ago um it was interesting because like this you could totally see the sort of okay there's a little stephen king a little george romero in here and every time someone was watching tv they're watching yeah, like dawn i think at one point on. yeah. and then they're watching um martin at, at, toward yeah, the end martin there. was on yeah good call <laughs> <laughs> and so you know there's a lot of uh yeah romero easter eggs i guess um, sure yeah and then i isn't wasn't john harrison didn't he do a lot he of music the for yeah. he's the one that directed for, uh, dune yeah yeah too <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right the, the, the miniseries yeah, yeah. yeah um yeah. but yeah he did the music for creep show and for Dawn, uh, Day of the Dead, and that's right. Of, okay, and Tales. I don't know if yeah. he did. What, he did Tales. He did. Yeah. Oh, he did. Yeah. I mean, he he directed it and and did the music. Right. You could oh, tell okay. he had. It was in that. Um, I guess early '90s, late '80s. Uh, John Harrison synthy uh-huh. uh, synthy <laughs> score. You know, <laughs> except for the main score, uh, that was a little bit more symphonic. But everything else was a little bit more on the on the synthy side. I'd say the Creep Show score is one of my all time favorite scores. Oh, yeah, hands down. Yeah. That's one that I put on in the car when I'm driving. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. <laughs> Every Halloween, I put that one on. Yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, everything about that movie is basically perfect. And if I could have, I would have just watched this that one again and talked about it again on this episode, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah. We talked about that one on the last episode. But uh, I, I love in the Camp from Hell how they have the librarian from Ghostbusters yeah. in it. <laughs> <laughs> Coughing. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and like, you know, the whatever General Sternwood, uh, like, guy, uh, in, like, he's got, the, like, the big sleep. He's got the, like, got the little blanket over his, his legs and uh, he's in his wheelchair. Oh, yeah, that's uh, Dr. Finkelstein from yeah. Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and what, Uncle Leo or whatever in... Yeah. Uh, in uh, Christmas vacation, yeah. was it Leo? Uncle Lewis, sorry, Uncle Lewis. Get my stogie. Yeah, yeah. exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's him. Yeah. What was it? What's the actor's name? It's um, uh, uh, William Hickey. William Hickey. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would have loved to have met him. Never met him. Yeah, definitely. All right. So we each know who it is we're dealing with. Why don't you tell me the rest of the story about that cat? The cat killed them. I warned them, but they wouldn't listen. They found out. They found out. As much as I kind of enjoyed uh, most of Lot 249, I, I think for me the ending was a little, uh, you know, it, it, it fell a little short. I think I agree with you, Sean. The uh, Lover's Vow is probably the strongest one uh, mm-hmm. for me in there because it's, it's, you know, it it gets you going. And then at a certain point you're like, well, where are we going to this? <laughs> and like, yeah. You know, and, and you keep waiting for that other shoe to drop. And it finally does. Plus, that one's got the gooeyest effects in it. You know, the guy getting his face <laughs> slashed off at the beginning, and his head, to, his arm getting ripped off, and it's and then it, it like bookends with just great sticky gore, and I love it. <laughs> and, and how bad do you feel for that uh, bartender who just like, awful man? That guy was just giving somebody <laughs> Wait, a ride home. I'm gonna walk you home. Plus, you know, yeah. it's the one of all of them that doesn't have any kind of goofiness. 
you know they, they all have some silliness yeah you're it's right. the one that's pretty serious you know yeah, yeah. i agree that's that's a good because even good call. cat cat from hell although it's dark the whole time literally dark like it it's a very darkly <laughs> lit uh episode yeah. it's almost like they did it in a black box theater with just a bit, a bit of furniture here and there um, but even though it was like, it, it still was a little bit more like hijinxy. Uh, yeah. I don't know what There's that, a, you know, like it was, humor and, it was yeah, cat and mouse, like right? It was, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Cat and Hitman, right. Uh, Tom yeah. and Jerry kind of feel, you know? <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, Lot 249 and the sort of, you know, wraparound, uh, mm-hmm. you know, bookend stories, uh, it, all, all the rest of those, so all four of those or all three of those, I should say, are pretty campy and then you're right sean lover's vow has a lot more of a uh taking this seriously as as Mm -hmm. a horror story and that's actually based on um i think partially on uh, japanese mythology the yokai uh that can become human until you know when it finds a lover and then when it no longer has that lover or when a promise is broken things like that they again become the creature that they once were they can't live a life uh as a human you know so it was interesting. It's kind of a combination of things. And then the gargoyles themselves. Gargoyles, I think, are really cool to begin with. I was a big fan of the animated uh, gargoyle show back in the day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, uh, Keith David, I think he was yeah, the main voice. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that was a great show. Um, and then the, the legend and the mythology behind it is neat. And then to see it in a, a nice little snackable horror presentation is also cool. No, totally. <sighs> What's wrong? I'm not making this up. I'm telling you the truth. You promised you'd never tell! Yeah, I mean, as far as, you know, the way that anthology films work, um, you know, you're often at the whim of what is that anchor? What What is the rapper? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and in something like Creepshow, well, it was just they would cut to a comic book and then move move uh, back and forth between different stories and then kind of... It was well, just they had the bo- kid and his dad. Bookends. Oh, yeah. The, but, yeah. But what I'm saying is, like, you, you never come back to it, right? And, and this one, like, there's that there's either at least uh, in theory advancing the plot by this kid trying to you know save himself, <laughs> and like so it so in itself it becomes a story, right? Yeah. What's what's so interesting about Trick or Treat though is that it's not really an anthology film. It's right. actually it's yeah. kind of like it, it's an ensemble film. Yes, and, exactly. And it, it's sort of like uh, you know I don't know what Robert Altman or something. It's like uh, shortcuts, right? It's yeah. like, uh, you know, Nashville or something. Sort of how Tarantino-esque, uh, and, uh, you know, how he right, yeah. weaves things together. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Especially yeah. because it is, it is edited out of order, too, right? Yeah. Like, it, it mm-hmm. plays, you see the, I guess, the ending bef- at the beginning and the beginning at the end, you know, again, mm-hmm. uh, with the, the couple. And the only thing really tying everything together is is Sam, the, the little pumpkin yeah. um, kid, jack-o'-lantern spirit i guess he is you know the spirit of halloween yeah it's a real shame that this movie didn't get the release it deserved i mean because i saw it they had a special screening of it at a film festival in la called scarefest and i went to that it was like the premiere yeah and everybody was just blown away and we were all like wow this is going to be the next big thing and then it sat for a couple of years they didn't release it and it didn't get a theatrical and it went straight to dvd and they didn't promote it and it was such a shame because it's such a great movie and now it's finally finding its audience i mean you go to spirit halloween half the store is trick-or-treat merchandise (laughs) you know yeah um 
and it's it's a real bummer that it didn't get the it should have been a bigger movie you know? i agree it's got it's got all the pieces of uh one of those repeatable halloween or scary movie time uh kind of movies you know this is a repeatable one easily um i hadn't seen it in a, in a, in a while but i had seen it in a couple times before and every time i see it it feels fresh it feels new um and then I forgot about the werewolf. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I had no, I, I forgot all about that with Anna Pack when I'm like, yeah. how does this one resolve? And then all of a sudden I, I, I like got it when Dylan Baker falls out of the tree yeah, <laughs> all right, mangled. Right, right. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that's what happens. And then all hell breaks loose. And what a cool transformation the way the yes. skin just, they shed the skin. And right. Just kind of rip it off. And yeah. <laughs> kind of like the, the gargoyle, how it came out of Ray Don Chong. Uh, it was yeah. very similar. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. It's almost like the monsters living inside the person. You know, yeah. like kind of tucked out and then it releases from this cocoon. It's pretty but, gross. You know, but again, it's not like you said, it's not a traditional anthology, but you have the different stories. You have the opening story of the couple decorating. Mm-hmm. Then you got the Dylan Baker, uh, you know, uh, the check your candy kind yeah. of, you know, <laughs> uh, segment. Classic then, mythology from tri- uh, Halloween yeah. too. Check then your you candy. got the werewolf segment. Then you got the the school bus tragedy segment and mm-hmm. the old man in the house. So it's it's great how they tie them all together. Especially and he's the driver, uh, yeah. the old man, yeah, the driver of the bus. He's Krieg. Yeah. Oh, okay, so I, at the very end, I, I had that question that you know, and we're supposed to understand that because he burned that picture. They show a picture, yeah, exactly, and it's him. He, he like was throwing it away. Kids. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it was. It's one of those things that wasn't necessary if you missed it it didn't take yeah. anything away but if you did catch it you know it, it was like ah oh. but it wasn't right, something right. that you if you didn't catch that it didn't work it still worked because you know? the main idea of the film is that if people are breaking those traditions for halloween night that's when they're attacked or that's when the, yeah. the spirit will get them and you think that yeah he he was he was breaking all the traditions he was just a jerk on Halloween and wasn't giving kids candy but right. then there's that extra layer that they just lay on at the end that he was the bus driver that caused that horrific accident with the, with the children in the bus. It's got to follow yeah. the rules. Okay. Yeah, well, I, it's not that he caused. It's not that he just accidentally caused it. Like he was like hired to be the kids yeah. hitman or whatever. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. He he took some <laughs> so money and dark. agreed to it. I think that's how they put <laughs> yeah, something like that. I was like, gee. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm the guess that what were they supposed to be? Were they they were supposed to be special Well I mean they, I don't they never really said they what they didn't come they out were. and say it, but it that is what it sounded like. Um that they're you know supposed to be special needs or autistic or, mm-hmm. or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Uh and but but the way they put it was something like um oh jeez. Uh well we'll insert the clip here. There were eight of them. And they were different, troubled, disturbed. But like, the, the way they put it was something along the lines of like, they were special was, was one of them, but then it was also like... Uh, well, savant was used to describe the, the girl that was with them. He, uh, well, the one who was carving all the pumpkins? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because with that one too, like they were like, well, how do we describe her and they were, they wanted to say the r word but then it just became like no no she's a savant or something mm-hmm. is that rod another retard she's not a retard she's an idiot savant here she comes and then on the bus it was as they were telling it in the flashback story they say something where it's like yeah they're, they're kind of uh you know cretinous or, or crazy or something mm. so mm. that was the part was like oh maybe like it's like you know <laughs> they're all just a bunch of michael myers like we, we don't know 
Oh, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like that's what it it seemed like they were going for. But then when we saw them there, well, it just it was more clear that they were you know were special needs or whatever versus uh you know disturbed that's yeah. a hard that's a hard, yeah was that what they used to serve that sounds about right Something that like that, that 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 one made me feel awful watching that uh that whole beginning scene of those kids on the bus and the one kid's like he kept saying wrong way wrong way wrong way and i was like oh yeah. god <laughs> no <laughs> no totally and 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 it's also it's funny because like the movie was very much like a, a series of like rug pulls and it was like it was there for the audience's benefit uh more so than a narrative one you know uh, the perfect example for me is when the Dylan Baker, like the principal, uh, you know, he, he lures that kid in by the candy that makes him, you know, throw up like it's Stand By Me. It's just like, just, it, exactly entire, like Stand like, By Me. <laughs> his entire guts are just like <laughs> spilling all over his like <laughs> chocolate over his throw steps. up. Yeah. And then, okay, he gets him, you know, he's like burying the body or whatever. His son is like, what are you doing down there? And he's like, oh, he keeps feeling like he's going to get caught, right? And he keeps, like, trying to give excuses to his kid. And then we get down to the basement, and it seems like, okay, is he going to stab the kid in the head? No, he stabs the severed head of his victim or whatever. And, like, Mm -hmm. they're just going to mutilate this thing together. They were carving a human as opposed to a pumpkin. Right. But, like, in the reality of, of what this was, it didn't quite work in the sense that, like, why would he be hiding it from the kid in the first place and feel like he's got to, he's got to like, oh no, I'm caught, right? It's like, it, it, I <laughs> it, see. It only kind of worked as a rug pull for the audience. You know right, what I'm exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And same with the sort of uh, idiot savant or whatever they ended up calling her kid who was like, you know, oh wait, she's the ugly girl because she has glasses. And then she loses her glasses and all of a sudden she's this witch who's in charge of everything. Who's kind of cute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like that She's All That movie. Yeah. You know, she only needed to, like, yeah. 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 She looked good with glasses, actually. Yeah. I was like, oh, this, does, this movie's not, not working for me right now. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. It's crazy to think that the, the kid that played Sam is yeah. now like 21. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. I, I, I didn't even realize how long ago this movie did come out. I mean, yeah. it looked like it was com- completed in 06 or 05, and then mm-hmm. the release wasn't until 07, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Quinn Quinn Lord who played Sam, you he actually appears in the movie as himself. He's the little kid peeking in the dressing room with the sucker. Oh yeah. Oh, that's cool. that's right the on. kid that plays Sam. It's what we do every Halloween, Lori. Whatever happened to trick or treating? Puberty. Last year we were in Tampa and we went to sexy nurses. Ladies, there are children out here. <laughs> Ladies, there are children present. Yeah. Like, they are in the dressing room. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. Take, take it. They were Where else are they going to go? The yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Lori, come on out. No. Come on, seriously, open up. Fine, just don't laugh, okay? Uh, well... I feel like there was a bunch of Easter eggs or whatever. It's just like, you know, it's like the Anna Paquin character's name was Lori. And, uh, you know, there was that, the, the pumpkin guy, Sam, like crawling on the ceiling, like the exorcist three or something, you know, it's like, I, I was catching a bunch in this one. Like they were, I know Michael Doherty is a massive horror nerd. So yeah, I, I have no doubt he couldn't tell. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny is just a couple weeks ago, he invited us over to his office we were doing this Halloween signing near his office 
and we went over uh, to. Uh, I brought the Halloween cast, like Nick Castle, and some you know, nice. uh, to, to his shape. office, and <laughs> uh, and he was nerding out and having them sign stuff and taking pictures, and he's a really nice guy. I, I like Michael a lot. You know, he's just awesome. a big, he's a big, big fan. What what else has he been doing um, since since this stuff? I know the God Godzilla, Godzilla movies, King of the Monsters. He did Krampus. Yeah, um, I think that's an underrated movie. Oh yeah, and I don't I don't know what he he told me what he was working on right now. I asked him about Trick or Treat too because that yeah that was announced at one point. Yeah, and he said it's still a possibility. So. I mean, oh, I would cool. love to see a sequel to this. I, w- I would love for them to continue it somehow. I know that they came out with some extra content, uh, like animated stuff that was, you know, with the the trademark of Trick or Treat, mm-hmm. but there hasn't been anything full length. And I think that that would be, you know, just really great to, like they have a remake of Twilight Zone, you know, that was just recent mm-hmm. and it was popular for a while. So, I mean, this is might be the right time for something like this. Well, you know, the interesting thing is like I was saying about how popular it's kind of become recently with all this merchandise and everything. It seems like right now would be the perfect time for a sequel, just like killer clowns is like suddenly hot again. Why is there no sequel? Why is there no series or something? Back in the day, I thought I was the only person in the world that had seen killer clowns from outer space. Now (laughs) it's everywhere. Like you see t-shirts and all this stuff. I'm just like, wow. I I think uh, with trick or treat, uh, interestingly enough uh, to kind of, I, tie it in a little bit to uh tales uh you know you you got a lot of we were talking about like you know tales from the dark side being creep show three mm-hmm. uh but you got a lot of creep show in this one you know it's like the comic book interstitials and all that kind of stuff even though they it's not i don't know technically an anthology but then again i mean part of that is like to make this uh thing more of a cohesive narrative and i and mm-hmm. i wonder if like especially around the time it was made I know anthologies were were definitely not um, seen as as money makers yeah. at that time, but if that was the case, and if, if like those are the forces they were like up against to make Trick or Treat, then I feel like they did a great job of like kind of having both and like you yeah. know, having having it be a standalone movie with everything's kind of connected and kind of Robert Altman style, like I was mentioning earlier, <laughs> and then you know also kind of being in that tradition of you know, horror anthologies of, you know, creep show and everything yeah, I else. Think, I think Michael Doherty purposely made an anthology that it was disguised as a non-anthology. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. the studio won't, studios don't don't want anthology films. Uh, so I think he figured out a way to, to do it. But then he ended up paying the price. <laughs> right, right, right. He didn't. He didn't follow the rules. So right, exactly. The studio, the studio, <laughs> Sam's put yeah, the kibosh exactly. on it for a while. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a real shame because with distribution, I think this could have been a big fun hit in the movie theaters for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. It was such a fun movie to see with an audience. I had yeah. such a blast seeing it for the first time with an audience, and nobody had seen it. We yeah. were all just like. It, it, yeah, it was kind of a magical moment. I, I really thought, wow, this guy is gonna go places, and and you know he has. I mean, he sure. has it, but he should have. That's a career and all that. Yeah, should have sure. had a much bigger, quicker rise. Mm-hmm. But but I I think like you were saying a minute ago, and and or hinting at it a minute ago, like you know the way to get things off the ground right now is to have it be pre-branded IP, as right. they say, and. 
this already has a built-in audience, which is what they're always looking for. Yeah. It has, you know, that, you know, very marketable Sam, uh, the, the monster. And like you're saying, there's, there's already kind of like a, a, a level of merch that they're at. So mm-hmm. it, it seems like it's a prime time to uh, get number two off the ground. Yeah, this this small film that only came out on DVD, not a wide release, and all of a sudden it's taken over Halloween stores. Whenever they open up those temporary stores, it's you see the, yeah. <laughs> the large cutouts of Sam that you put out in your front yard, you know, like as, as a decoration. You've got the masks, you've got all that stuff. It's just like it's wild, and he's just a tiny little character in, in the movie, right? I mean, he's important a character in the movie, but it's also a smaller movie, and it's just one guy. But it's yeah. <laughs> a popular image now. There he is. Nice. Man, that's uh, another great animatronic. I mean, that, yeah. and it and it kind of reminded me of the way that the mouth moved and stuff with the gargoyle. Like yeah. these movies definitely like touched on similar things, and the fact that they used practical in this, even being a more recent film for for especially for this podcast, uh, they didn't use all CG, which I thought was was good. Yeah, a friend of mine actually owns that head. Come on, the the yeah. Sam head. Yeah. Wow, uh, that's cool. He offered it to me in a trade. But I'm not doing it. As much as I want to own it, I'm not trading what he wants. So, what, can you say what the trade's for? He wanted. Uh, now, mind you, it wasn't that that head wasn't the only thing he was offering. He was offering a couple items. That was one of the items. But it was for my James Remar screen used Warriors vest, nope. belt, and belt buckle. Nope. Yeah, sorry. You're keeping that. Keeping keeping the Warriors over that. That's yeah. great that we have another Remar reference here. That just <laughs> yeah. Yeah. for the folks <laughs> yeah. at home, uh, you know, Sean's uh, room here is is just littered with uh, tons and tons of great tchotchkes and all kinds of great I've stuff. I've been so distracted trying to find out what <laughs> yeah, all those yeah. things were. <laughs> I'm like, I want, especially that goat head. That is definitely just... a collector. Oh, here right. we go. Mm-hmm. Holy shit! Yeah, there's a <laughs> little. There's some. Endless DVDs and there, yeah. Funko Pops, and I'm moving my my monitor around here so you can see some of the stuff. It's very yeah. impressive. It's 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 kind of bonkers in here. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's almost overwhelming when I start looking at it all. I start to get anxiety. <laughs> like, like I mean, I've got all this like I mean, kind of all the these point. records on the floor, stacks of records down here. I don't yeah. have room to put them away. <laughs> I don't. I'm like I I got it's kind of a sickness. <laughs> well, Sean, uh, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, where Appreciate can it. where can the audience follow you and find you? Well, on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, it's at Malfunction, which is M A L F U N C S E A N. So it's basically <laughs> the word malfunction. Get rid of the T I O N and add S E A N, which is my name. It's very like clever, that. but yet yeah. not that clever when you're trying to get people to follow you. Um, <laughs> when it's voice only, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll put links in. So yeah. on Facebook, my personal account has been filled up forever, so I had to start one of those stupid fan accounts, which seems very pretentious. But it's uh, <laughs> Facebook dot com backslash Sean Clark official. Ooh, yeah. Got it. So it's really official because um, so many people are impersonating me. It's yeah, it's getting ridiculous, <laughs> especially since Netflix coined me horror expert you know and nice. if netflix says i'm a horror expert it's got to be true yeah exactly <laughs> they're <laughs> the authority the on official. horror so yeah, yeah. Uh, have you guys seen that yet the movies that made us i i watched the the mm-hmm. halloween one um yeah. and maybe robocop i'm i'm interviewed in halloween 
Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th. Nice. And then I worked on the Aliens one. I helped get some of the people. And in fact, James Remar did the interview in my living room. Oh, that's excellent. You see this really neat staircase he's sitting next to. It's literally right (laughs) around the corner here. Nice, (laughs) nice. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you very much. Um, next time, I promise to watch all the movies. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, no, this is great. You caught me at my busiest time of the year. I was just it, like, dude, I, I figured going nuts. I, I'm, I'm really glad you're able to we'll squeeze you in. You know, even though I know it's like you said, you're your busiest season. But uh, yeah, thanks a lot for joining. Let's do this again, please. Absolutely, I'm down. Let me know. All right, take all care. Right. Thank you. See you guys. Bye. Bye. So let's discuss tales from the crypt real quick. Yeah, let's do it. Um, and I know I know I keep bringing up formats and things like that, but this one was an anthology to a T, right? Like yeah. if we're gonna if you're gonna explain what an anthology film is to someone, this is kind of a I don't know what they call it a boilerplate or a, or yep. a template, template for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, because you know you've got your uh, you meet all of your f- people that you're gonna be following. They're on some sort of a strange tour to a cemetery through a cemetery and end up in catacombs and it's yep. just five folks that are you know like in this room with the crypt keeper who is definitely not the john kazer uh crypt keeper yeah. from uh <laughs> the hbo yeah. version yeah. although he would have been hilarious in this <laughs> yeah the the, uh, the like, a guy who looked like i don't know kind of a monk or something versus right yeah yeah the, the uh the pun spewing uh rotting corpse which is more accurate to the comics, the old EC comics? He was a, a, a human being in oh, those really? comics, and it was just an older man that would wear a hood. Um, he looked actually more like the the Vault Keeper. So there was Tales from the Crypt from oh, EC, and, and, um, Vault of Horror, Vault of Horror, right? And then there was Haunt of Fear, and then Crime Suspense Stories. And yeah, the the uh, the DVD had uh, Tales from the Crypt and Vault of Horror, like as a dual disc, or whatever. And I think that's what Sean pulled up when he was. Digging through his DVDs for it. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, it's like split in half, right? Yeah, yeah. Cover. <laughs> yeah. So I haven't seen Vault of Horror yet, but uh, definitely after watching this, I'd like to see it. But Totally. Um, well, we'll have Anthology 301. So <laughs> Exactly. I was going to say, we don't have any more shows, so we're not going to be able to do it. This is the last one. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I, I wanted to bring up some of the episodes in here. Obviously, I brought up originally the And All Through the House um, with mm-hmm. Joan Collins, uh, I thought that was a great one. Very scary. Um, and yeah, it, Christmas um, horror. What, exactly. I, Christmas horror is it's such a, <laughs> I guess the juxtaposition between such a, and the way that it was shot, it was so bright and beautiful and white in her house. But there is just well, all this carnage it was happening. Bright. I, I wouldn't say the house decorations were beautiful in any way. The, the <laughs> yeah, I guess the it was clean. Design was it's, a little. Uh, it was yeah. clean. It was modern for 1972. Yeah, yeah. Clean. Yeah. Um, no, but I. The, the direction in that was so awesome. I, I think that was one of my favorite ones just because of like the thrilling aspects of it. Mm-hmm. I guess we should, we should say in the introduction, we, we kind of like see these people taking a tour through the, this, uh, these old catacombs and uh, somewhere in rural England. And they're like, don't get lost. Don't get lost. And like this group, you know, Joan Collins drops her brooch. Right. And then they, very key item. Yeah. Yep. And then they, they, uh, they all like stop and you know okay let's see if we can catch up with the group is it this way uh let's try this way and then they you know get uh, stuck in with uh, the crypt keeper and then <laughs> all of a sudden the crypt keeper starts you know talking them through their stories and uh in this first one it was an all through the house uh it was uh 
this guy he's like you know writes a love letter to his wife and puts this like uh this present under the tree goes to sit down and uh, have a brandy by the fire <laughs> and then <laughs> puts his paper up and all of a sudden blood hits the paper wasn't that great <laughs> yeah that no, was exactly, great th- that's kind of what i was getting at it was like the 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 perspective and and the way that we're taken through that journey is really fascinating you know it's like like how she's under the window looking up it, and the, exactly the, the psychotic is looking at her yeah right right the, awesome. the psychotic santa and like you know right when it starts and you know so she takes this guy out and uh you know he drags him all over the carpet with the 3m stage blood and you know <laughs> bright neon orange yeah. and then like uh you know, you, you think, okay, aha, we found the villain in this one, and like we, we found sort of the bad guy, and like, and then we find out that, that there's a kid upstairs, and she's trying to keep the kid up there, and like, and then we hear on the radio that no, there's there's someone else on the on the loose, and it's uh, it's a psychotic Santa, and then we see the psychotic Santa like coming up through the the house, and like we're kind of seeing the almost uh, Black Christmas Black Christmas like point of point of view, mm-hmm. and. So she knows to beware, and then she's like locks the hell out of the door, and like throws the shutters closed on one window. But then there's like tons of other windows. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what was so cool is like when she like found out that there was somebody out there. We're definitely from her perspective, and it does that very very particular Hitchcock thing, where you're able to shift perspective of like, oh no, now you're rooting for Norman Bates. Is are, is he gonna get the car to go down? You know, and like you, you want you want her to like finish cleaning up the thing and not have yeah. the kid find out. And, you know, oh, wait, it, and then there's there's another st- stalker coming. And, you know, the, like you're saying, like the camera's really low and she's having to dive underneath these windows to like, uh, you know, maneuver her way around the room. And just the, like the, the filmmaking alone on that short film was fantastic. I mean, it, yeah. it really is how to a tell a story. Because you know we get all these beats, and you know the the kid upstairs not only has this sort of uh, like icky emotional re- resonance, but also lets in right. the sort of uh, yeah. the, the sort of vampire He's bad here. guy. Yeah, it's like Santa's here, and it's like, and that's like a, a total payoff, and it's it you know everything about it like works so well, and like you know her sort of like planting the body at the at, at the in the in the basement. And you know the way that that guy falls down the stairs yeah. is brutal. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. What stunt guy pulled that off? And I hope he made it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, exactly. He takes a bounce off one of those stairs from his head. I was like, dude. Hopefully, yeah, get he that had in to do one shot. Less takes than David <laughs> yeah. Fincher or something. But uh, come on, let's do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Are we ready? <laughs> All right, everybody, back to one. Oh my bad. What's what's a one? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How many fingers am I holding up? Oh, you're good. Get up there. Um, but like the whole uh, short film on that one was just like was so good and, and it's so well done. And like and, you know, you you get every beat and it was perfectly paced. And, you know, your loyalties as the audience are kind of switching. You're like, oh, no, she's she's evil for, you know, killing her husband who was, uh you know, giving her that nice Christmas present, writing that sweet letter or whatever. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, I want to make sure that she gets the body down there. And then. Then you're like, no, make sure the daughter stays up there. You know what I mean? Like, like it, yeah. it, it really manipulates your emotions so well. And like in the, the, the filmmaking is so great. Anyway, the, I feel like that was such, such an interesting story. Yes. And, and, then, and then we get back to the spine. Right. 
And what's so cool is like she's like fingering the brooch, and the brooch was the present that her husband had. And you're like, oh, okay, wait, so this already happened, and then, but she died in it, and then like, you know, so you're not not sure. And the movie doesn't let you think about it too long, and then we move on to the next one. Right on to the next one. And what was the next one? Was it the? Uh... That was when the the gentleman was going to cheat on or leave his wife and his daughter. Yes. And he goes to meet right. up with his mistress. And he sees himself as right. as a ghoul or whatever. And the, that one had a little uh, dead of night. The, yeah, the British absolutely. dead of night. Oh yeah. See, I th- I think overall consistency wise, this one had the most consistent quality yeah. across all of the stories. Um, I, you know, Tales from the Dark Side absolutely. is a little lacking in the first episode, probably, but mm-hmm. I think they're all good. But I think this one, they all balance out really well. And now it makes me think that more stories in an anthology. You know, tighten those stories up even more, make them quicker and even more snackable than they already are. Might improve, you know, the the storytelling right. of each of those vignettes. I, yeah, and because the spine pieces were so uh, tight, most of the times we'd cut back and be like, we'd only be there for two lines, two lines, and we're back into another story. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess there was a point where, like, I feel like toward the end, it was um, maybe in between. The the guy who who died after the you know death oh. rides a motorcycle one the the wish that was the monkey's paw uh, yeah the monkey's it? paw mm-hmm. so like between the monkey's paw and sort of the 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 last one which is the the blind alley I I remember like getting back to the the. <laughs> The, the spine i was like okay what are we doing here what is this thing like like you know we, we've pushed this one a little too far you know like the, the, there's such thin gruel in between you sit down now it's your turn you know it's like that <laughs> thing but i other than that i feel like you know structure wise it was like it was so uh well structured and then you know the the ending which i think we'll get to in a minute uh you know pays off so well yeah but um going back a second i think what we had touched on a minute ago with uh sean we're talking about like sort of the morality plays that oftentimes these snackable like ec comics you know uh you know creep show tales from the crypt um do so well tales from the crypt tv show i meant like do so well is like that they always have like you know someone you the audience just really hates and like you know you know you you set them up as as a bad guy and then like horrible things happen to them the, the, the horrifying things happen to them and, and and that is definitely the case with this one with reflections of death um and definitely you know with blind justice or he's like blind whatever sorry whatever it's called oh yeah and and poetic justice the yeah fucking, same oh, God. <laughs> a lot of comeuppance in this. yeah um <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, i mean in, in that sense like kind of like wish you were here is a little off off kilter that's the monkey's paw one uh, but we'll, I think we'll get to that in a second. Um, but uh, in Reflections of Death, like, you know, it's this guy. He's like, oh, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm, I'm taking off for a business trip. And then, like, you know, like, hey, make sure to go kiss the kids uh, goodbye. And he's shit, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I don't want to do it because I don't want to feel bad. Well, OK, I'll just go up and do it anyway and steal myself against this. And like, and he he goes <laughs> and he goes on his trip, quote unquote. And it turns out he's just leaving with his mistress to go live somewhere else. Mm-hmm. We don't quite know where. And he's like falling asleep at the wheel. They get in an accident. He somehow survives this crazy, crazy accident, and uh, with a miniature car, yeah, <laughs> he flies over the hill, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you know we keep seeing it from the perspective shot, mm-hmm. right? It was like it was all POV, and like and unlike uh, Lady in the Lake, 
or uh, what was that more recent movie, Hardcore Hair Henry or something like, you know, uh, Lady in the Lake in particular because it's it's uh, such a an old movie and it's it's very it, like it the, the entire thing is uh, POV. POV. Like it it becomes like it's too much to take, but because they only did this for I don't know what two minutes out of the entire movie mm-hmm. um it it actually like it works really well and like we keep seeing the pov and and we justify these cuts that we do and later on it's sort of revealed that wait he survived this thing but he's like a he he's he's the like uh what, what was the uh god uh the, the high tide what was it called in creep show god damn it <laughs> something to tide you over something to tide you over he, yeah, he's the, the ted something to tide you over ted dancing monster at the end of the <laughs> you can't kill us richard we're already dead but i i do want to bring that up because that reveal of him looking in the mirror is again it's kind of cinematic genius because the camera mm-hmm. looks mm-hmm. down into the mirrored surface and sees the face. Yeah, I was yeah. like, "How the hell did they do that?" And and that's you know it's pre uh, CG trickery and like exactly it had to be like perfect timing and right all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Not to mention it's one shot up to then, so if they did mess it up, they had to back him up all the way yep. out of the apartment <laughs> and do it again. You know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, well, I liked that episode. And and it also it had a little Twilight Zoney feel because he's like he's like what's going on? No one recognizes me. And right. Like, you kind of wanted to have him with the no- pig yeah. nose or something like the reveal at the. <laughs> uh, yeah. The eye of the beholder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For those of you at home, I just did a third yeah, eye. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like it's like the Norm Macdonald uh, SNL parodies. So there you have it. Sometimes what is beautiful to one is not beautiful to another. As this woman learned when she, well, she didn't really learn anything. And neither did we. Frankly, usually I try to have some kind of ironic twist or moral in these things, but I got nothing this time because that woman was hot. <laughs> in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, that but anyway, and, and then th- this one like takes us through and does that cyclical ending again, sort mm-hmm. of like like Dead of Night, and like yes. you know he sees himself in a reflection that sort of startles him awake, and all of a sudden he's driving again. He's like, oh oh oh, I I, I lost control of the vehicle. I, luckily nothing happened, nothing happened, and then all of a sudden you know <laughs> back to the car crash. They, they go back to the car crash scene yeah. again, which is uh, and, and then the, the little the miniature matchbox flies over the you know the sequence. Lunch. It was like quick little cuts and like a lot of sound effects, like snatch or whatever, like. S- Spin the <laughs> anything spin to the, declare? Frame. Yeah, don't go to fucking England. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ex- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ex- <laughs> I, I did like the spin of the can. Like they didn't do yeah. anything. Like it was just probably somebody in a car going like this a yeah. little bit. But you know, because of all the quick cuts and the angles and the and the pushins and everything, it just worked. Yeah, exactly. It, it a great little sequence there. So, uh, the monkey's paw, or this one was actually that "Wish You Were Here" is what it's called. And oh, right. the monkey's paw in this uh, in this episode was actually some sort of looks like an, an Asian art mm-hmm. um, statue statuette. Right. It was the inscription at the bottom and was read. But the monkey's paw seems to be one of those obligatory anthology episodes that needs to be retold. Right. Like Twilight right. Zone's got them. You know, yep. this one's got it. Um, I think there was an actual monkey's paw episode. I know that 
Jordan Peele's his production company's named Monkey's Paw. So oh, it's like funny. you know yeah. all the stuff. Um, but I thought that this was a good version, a good um, version of this story. Um, yeah. This one, while everything was pretty grounded in this movie, I know there were zombies and everything. It still felt grounded the way it was. It was it was filmed and, and all the episodes were. However, yeah. this one had more of a supernatural thing. You've got death on a motorcycle following this guy to find right. to kill him, and then the the level like a that they go ghost rider, yeah, the ghost rider exactly. <laughs> the level that they go into by the end to wrap everything up. It's one of the best ramparts in this movie, I think, of like over and over, like just terror, terror, terror. You yeah, know, she's yeah. like, oh, I want him to be here. I want him to be. And they wheel in a dead body. And it's like, no, I want him to be here right before he died. Or right yeah. before he was in the car crash. Oh, right. Well, oh, he died God. of a heart attack, so he's already dead. <laughs> well, I don't want him to ever die again. So the guy wakes up and he's got embalming fluid in him. So he's right. feeling his face. It, it was turns just... into Return of the Living Dead. With like, they keep cutting him up. We and, feel and each of the pieces are still alive, you know? The one, the hand... The hand is cut yeah. off and it's just like <laughs> riling around on him. I mean, I it, it's pretty terrifying, um, but overall, super effective. Um, yeah, and, 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 yeah, and that one like it was interesting because un- unlike some of the other ones uh, where it, it's very clear that sort of we have this, you know, villainous person who gets their comeuppance. We, we see what makes them villainous in all the other segments. Right. Uh, in this one... It's just heavily implied because he, we, we don't see it. He's just running like, out of money. He's just running out of money. But like what they talk about is that like while he was amassing his uh, his huge fortune, that he was a monstrous. I had to do know, a couple. Bastard. I had to do a couple yeah. evil things yeah, yeah. along the way. Sure. Well, I just had to do, how else? Uh, how else do you some make white money? Evil to get there. I don't know. You know, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't really call it evil as much yeah. as I would call it evil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so it's like his evil was sort of off screen yeah uh which made it harder to root against him because uh, he, he didn't quite know what it was but uh in any case i it's like it still fits in with with a lot of that uh a lot of the other tales that we get in this one um blind alleys for sure uh you you definitely yeah. see the evil of the I mean, this guy is a villain from the get-go. The the new yeah, the major yeah, colonel the... German shepherd guy, <laughs> Shane. Yeah, Shane. Shane. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that one had a great ending, and I think Patrick McGee is oh so my creepy. God. Um, and and he plays blind really well. Uh, you know, even when he like passes the camera mm-hmm. he's just kind of off off center and it's just mm-hmm. a really really kind great yes yeah, staring into that nowhere zone yeah right exactly, exactly. yeah I, and in this one you can really this one and i guess poetic justice you really feel the like how the brits are able to like turn the screw on you and you're just like you you know you really want the like the bad guy to get his comeuppance finally yeah. you know what i mean and and in this one it's like you felt like because it was so short like they did so much with, with with such little time. It was just the major colonel general guy shows up, and all of a sudden he's like, "Oh, look, these guys are eating uh, full hot meals." Hell no! Yeah, and not like, on this budget. The, the, the very next scene, it's like they're it's cold. They're, they're eating thin gruel the next day, and he's got a two inch thick steak in front of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. He's like he's sipping port and like yeah, having a, a T bone. <laughs> A T-bone the size of his forearm. It's just like, you know. Patrick McGee's great. He's like, we eat gruel while you eat steak. You know, yeah. he does it. 
while you eat this. Happy nice... with the meal. <laughs> oh, that was, exactly. Uh, with course, the, but... Just eating the, eating the spaghetti. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. More wine. Oh my God. I forgot to bring up. The the guy who looks like you know Stannis or whatever from Game of Thrones in the in the in the in the first uh, yeah or, or no in in the car crash one yeah like it, it wasn't Stannis it was uh it was Eric from Get Carter yeah yeah I've forgotten what your eyes looked like piss holes in the snow <laughs> piss holes in the snow piss holes in the snow oh man Get Carter's so badass. Yeah. <laughs> Most badass movie. <laughs> I had almost forgotten what your eyes looked like. They're still the same. Piss holes in the snow. I love the blind alley one because it was like, okay, we turn all the screws. Okay, okay now it's come up in time, and they, you know, they lure the dog. They they get him in there. Starve. The they dog. ambush him. They starve the dog for a couple of days while they build the carnival of horrors. Like, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to Razorblade Hallway. <laughs> And, and that sequence is so great because it was like, you know, okay, we're taking our time getting him through one tunnel, up the other tunnel, up to the razor blade tunnel. And, you know, and it's like, okay, this is going somewhere, this is going somewhere, we're finally going to get there. But, like, they're, they're taking their time through it to, like, show how precarious it was getting there. And then all of a sudden, you know, when he has no to run way away. is he outrunning this from dog. The, from the German shepherd. And, like, <laughs> trying to get back through the, <laughs> through the razor blade central. Oh, boy. Yeah, exactly. It looked painful too, because like, there, it was a really great cut. Like, because he gives kind of a reaction, you know, a wince, and then you see a little bit of blood on the on the uh, on the razor plates. You know, yeah. it's like, there's not a whole lot that, that 3M really pops. Yeah, yeah. Know? But it's <laughs> yeah. just that that it was really well done, and uh, you could you could feel him walking through the the, the razor plates. Like, yeah. it was very you, you very. You feel him like sweating and and hyperventilating through that yeah. uh, narrow passageway exactly shane yeah shane, <laughs> shane? that's I and mean, then that's... when he has to like try to run away from the dog and he like finds the razor blade thing he's like, ah what do i do and, like cut to black you know yeah. like, <laughs> and and that was kind of a consistent uh ending for all of these really it was yeah. you know even all through the house it was just kind of a cut to black once the the psycho santa you know got his hands around her and joan collins neck cut mm-hmm. and then this one yep. was another cut which what more do you need you know, it, it was almost like you, you, you didn't want to see what happened to them because it would have mm-hmm. ruined the spine or the, the mystery of what the spine was. No, totally. And, and and I think they did such a good job of putting all through the house at the beginning and having that brooch thing be a lingering question mark. Like, okay, well, if she got the brooch earlier. Well, then she must have survived. Mm-hmm. And so she got to this place. But like, because of some of those uh, misdirections there... You, I don't know. Maybe you weren't fooled watching it, but like I, I kind of didn't know where it was going necessarily, and I, I feel like they did a pretty good job of being able to get you to then get to that ending. Mm-hmm. But but before we get to the ending, I, I do want to talk about poetic justice real quick. I, I, I would I know love we... to talk poetic justice. Yeah, this is Go. my fa- this is my favorite episode. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. I, first of all, I forgot that Peter Cushing was in this movie. Not right. only does this movie look and feel like a Hammer horror film, which I think this, mm-hmm. I think Atticus was the name of the production company. They were right. they were very confused with Hammer a lot of the times um, because they also, Christopher oh, Lee and Peter Cushing and those guys would play in both. Um, but Peter Cushing in this episode, the sweetest old man, right. plays it beautifully. Um, in real life, his wife had just passed away. So oh, his, a lot of... 
Peter Cushing's wife in real life had passed in, away. Oh, shit. And, and the character of Grimsdyke, his wife had passed away. Wow. And so a lot of the emotion that you're seeing on screen is for real. Um, wow. I did not brilliantly know that. played, wow. obviously. He's, he's a legend. And this one, talk about comeuppance. And talk about an evil yeah. villain that is presented such in, in such a villainous way. <laughs> uh, this this young, I don't Frick. know what he yeah. is. Uh, the homeowners association. Head? Okay, so 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 that like, <laughs> what's interesting is like okay, so we, when we start off on this episode, we see stately Wayne Manor, and there's like yeah. these low shots of this gigantic, you know, beautifully kept eighty two room house or whatever. <laughs> and you think just like Wayne Manor, it's like secluded off in the middle of nowhere, but apparently. This place is in a neighborhood. Right. And, you know, there's other neighbors around. And then there's one across the street who has uh, a pretty modest house uh, who is like the gardener or whatever for the rest of the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the Peter uh, Cushing character. There's like a an older dad, uh, like the patriarch of that Wayne Manor house. And then the, the shitty Bruce Wayne son... And job. it's like if uh, if Bruce Wayne's parents had lived, he would become this guy, this cruel, yeah. fucking nimby asshole. Wow. Like a, 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 you know, humannextdoor.com. It's like you know, it's just like he's like <laughs> head of the neighborhood association. Like you <laughs> look at the disgusting pores on my block, and uh, yes, I can't exactly. trust them, and blah blah. And then he just like spends the entire episode like finding ways to like gaslight and terrorize. This Peter Cushing character, this poor guy. Until he ends up hanging himself. Until he ends up killing himself. And like, you know, and, and it was like in these heart-wrenching ways. It was like, you know. Awful. It, he calls animal control on him. Takes away his dogs, yeah. And the thing that he says while the animal control guys are taking the dogs away, he's like, wait, you can't take my dogs. They're my friends. And you're just like, oh. You know, it it's like hurt. Right through the heart, you know. It hurt. <laughs> and, then he, and then he's like, oh, who would send me these? Uh... Oh, actually, before that, he, he, gets, he gets like. He gets uh, accused of being like, or hinted at, accused of being a pedophile, and like, so all the kids who would like learn gardening from him, like, you know, weren't allowed to come over anymore. And he'd make them toys or clean up their old toys and fix them. Right. Right. And like the sweetest guy. Perfect human. Yeah. And then, and then he's like, "Oh, it's Valentine's Day. Who would send me cards?" And like, he gets like a stack of them, a two-inch thick stack of cards. And he's like, "Ooh, look at this one." And he's like, "Roses are red, violets are blue. Ooh, that's wonderful." But I hate you because you're a prick or whatever. He's like, "Oh no!" <laughs> and like, you know, he reads the next one, and it's like, you know, you're. They an rhymed asshole. better in the movie. They yeah. rhymed much better in the what? movie. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. And, and like, you know, he reads all these things, and it's just, you know, just each one like breaks his heart even further. And then you're right. Like eventually he ends up killing himself, and uh, the shitty Bruce Wayne guy, you know, shows up at his funeral. He's like, "Well, uh, good riddance to uh, bad rubbish or whatever." And then we get finally the EC Comics, uh, you know, uh, cut to a year later, and yep. uh, we get our, you know, it's Valentine's <laughs> Day again. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. and the, and Bruce Wayne, prick Bruce Wayne. Uh, is throwing away the leftover Valentine's cards. So we just remind uh, the audience as to right. how long ago this happened. And then a night alone, he is visited by Grimsdyke, who is... Cue the Metallica. And it's like... <laughs> awesome looking zombie, first of all. Great makeup on that. Yeah, the eyes like were the gone. Fingers. Yeah, yeah it's excellent. Um, and then the poetry comes back uh, in full circle here for right. the end. You know, right. and he's like, whatever, 
don't play the part. You know, now I have your heart, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, you know, the, the reveal is they open it up and there's a still beating heart on the table. Right, so, right. So which, great. Which the dad, like the dad of the Bruce Wayne guy or whatever. Thomas like, Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. Thomas Wayne finds <laughs> it the next morning. He's like, no. Right. <laughs> and which is great because, like, as we find out, it's like with all these stories, this is how each each one of these cruel, disgusting people died. Right. And the Crypt Keeper wasn't warning them about stuff. He was just right. reminding them right. of he stuff. He was like, yeah, well, just just, uh, just for, so you know, here's why you're here. Checklist. Look my pen. Uh, check some things off. And uh, yeah, you, you belong here. You belong here. Yep. You too and everyone else out the door. You died without repentance. Yeah. yeah. And then, you, you know, the big reveal is uh, that the spine of the story is that, well, they're all been there uh, at being awaiting their final judgment and the, op- the doors to hell open up and they all uh, have to uh, cart off into it. I don't care how cheesy the effect was of yep. that fella falling into the fire. I loved it. it, it you know, you were talking about how, how each of these episodes kind of take it all the way. The entire movie mm-hmm. then takes it all the way. Like these are the exactly. worst possible people. They're going to hell. Yeah. <laughs> getting the, the, exactly what they deserve. Exactly. Yeah. A, a disgusting end and then, you know, the, the, the eternal end. Yeah. Just fitting punishment for all of them. Right. Right. Exactly. Well, I think we did it. We did it. <laughs> we made it through Anthology 2. Uh, what are we looking at next week? Uh, since we didn't get to see Dune in our original triple feature that we wanted to put together, instead we put together Jodorowsky's Dune in place, um, we get to actually see Dune because it was released. Um, so we're going to be doing a shorter episode. Uh, we're bringing back our special guest, Dan, to discuss Dune. Uh, this is Denny Villeneuve's Dune that just released, mm-hmm. what, two days ago, depending on when people listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> pretty recently. Uh, so that'll be a shorter episode, but we definitely have to get that in because it's an important film. Yeah, it'll be kind of an addendum to our other there you go. It's an addendum. adapting Dune conversation. And for our next full episode, we will be taking a look at a stressful Thanksgiving. I love, I love the name of that. We're going to be watching Prisoners, The Ice Storm, and Hannah and Her Sisters. Looking forward to these. Um, I have yeah. seen Prisoners, but I haven't seen the other two. Yeah, well, it's uh, it it's one of those things where it's like, you know, there's a fun way to go with, with Thanksgiving, and there's a not-so-fun way. There's and, a grindhouse and, uh, way of going we have, we Thanksgiving. Have, <laughs> we, have a, we have a theme to maintain here, which is, uh, you know... <laughs> Trying to do stressful movies. and We live on the darker side of exactly. life. Exactly. <laughs> These are darker uh, and more stressful uh, versions of Thanksgiving, which is, uh, you know, going to be perfect for this show. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to subscribe and follow us on all the podcasts and social platforms at the Grindhouse Institute. And if you really want to give us a boost, check us out on Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. It helps us to get noticed. Thanks so much, everybody. We will be back next week. Ciao. Just love happy endings.